Welcome to another inspirational message from Chowdean Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Chowdean, visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Now, now Heather is one half of a dynamic duo. No, hey, you laugh, I'm telling you, she is. This lady and her husband had the vision to establish a church in a factory in what was then one of the, or seemed to be one of the less salubrious areas of Gateshead. It was an amazing work that was done there. And many lives were touched because of their vision, because of what they had. I was privileged, along with Margaret, to be part of that. And, uh, and I know God's going to bless and anoint Heather and Colin for what they did and for the sacrifices they made for that. Now, today she's going to bring us a message on aspiring. And she is, along with Colin, an inspirational person who aspires to do great things for God. So I'm just going to pray for you, Heather, before you bring the message. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for Heather. We thank you for all that she's done, that all she, that she seeks to do in your name. And this morning, Lord, we pray that you will just anoint her and bless her, give her clarity of thought and guidance as she speaks your word into our hearts and minds. Lord, we pray that we'll be open to hear those words that you will speak to us through her today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Over to you, well, good morning, everybody, and thank you for that, Terry. Can you hear me all right? Everything working okay? Champion. Right. Well, we're starting this morning and looking at the first of our church's core values that, as Paul explained to us last week. So the first one is aspiring. We want to be an aspiring church. Now, when I was preparing to talk today, the first thought that occurred to me was, well, actually, what is the difference between aspiring and ambitious? Technically, the words are interchangeable. The dictionary says both words can be used in the same meaning. And yet, I think that if the church leaders had said that one of our church's core values was to be an ambitious church, I'm not sure that we would have thought of it in quite the same way. Because aspiring, to aspire to something, seems more noble. It seems more of an ideal. Whereas ambition got a bad name because throughout history, there have been ambitious people who chose to tread a wrong path to achieve their goal. Now, according to a Google forum, aspiring is a weaker word. It's not as strong as ambition. And now, an aspiration, they say, is a desire, a dream, a longing, a hope, a hope of achieving a goal. Whereas ambition requires dedication, determination, and effort in order to achieve the desired goal. Now, William Shakespeare obviously didn't think that ambition was a good thing at all, because in the play Henry VIII, Henry says to Thomas Cromwell, Cromwell, I charge thee, fling away ambition. By that sin fell the angels. How can man then, the image of his maker, hope to win by it? So then, are we an aspiring church? Or are we an ambitious church? Do we just dream of what we'd like to be? Or do we work to achieve it? Now, I want to give you three little examples to show you what I mean. As most of you know, last year, Colin and I bought a little dog. 
a companion for our old age. Now, I aspired to be a good dog handler. The goal was to have a well-trained, obedient God. Dog, sorry. (laughs) That's definitely a Freudian slip. (laughs) It was a desire, a wish, and a hope, and an aspiration. But in order to achieve my goal, I read two books on how to achieve the perfect dog, and I went to four different dog training classes, and I've had to put in the time and effort. The whole exercise turned out to be much more difficult than I originally thought because she's terrible for chasing people on a bike. Now, my son-in-law, John, says, just take the bike away from her. But, you know, (laughs) he would say that. Now, she's very intelligent, and I have been training her to play cards, but she's not doing very well, because every time she gets a good hand, she wags her tail, and then it just spoils it. However, we have now passed our Kennel Club Good Citizenship Bronze Award, and my family still think that I took a substitute dog to the, to, the, to the class. But another example, one of my granddaughters was head girl at her junior school. So when she went for her interview for senior school, she was asked, would you like to ask us any questions? So the first thing she asked was, how do you get to be head girl here? Now, a noble aspiration, but would it require commitment? Would it require completing assignments, handing homework on on time? Well, of course it would. And lastly, my lovely assistant here will just show you a portrait of my grandfather, which I've also got on the screen. So you see there there is a, a portrait of my grandfather. Now, he was born in the early 1900s and lived with his family in a small village. They were quite a large family and not wealthy. But he was the eldest son, and they had aspirations for him. Now, not many families at that time, from their kind of background, would have had a studio photograph taken and framed like that. And as you can see, he's wearing a smart suit, a cravat, and a tie pin. And his family were good-living, respectable chapel folk, and they wanted him to be a gentleman. So although money was tight, they bought a piano, and they sent him for lessons, and he played well. And I think they must have had aspirations that he would play at the chapel. Unfortunately for them, but fortunately for us, he met my grandmother. And unfortunately, she was not their sort. She came from the dwellings in Newcastle, from a very poor family, and her father was a drunkard. Now, don't get me wrong, I loved my grandmother and she loved me. She didn't smoke or drink or swear, nothing like that. But even I would have to admit that she lacked some housewifely skills. So all of his parents' aspirations for their eldest son did not bear fruit. He always played the piano, enjoyed opera, and was a lovely, gracious man, but he was not what they had hoped he would be. He worked down the mines all of his life. And the point I'm trying to make is, their aspirations were dependent on the cooperation of another person. And similarly here, The leaders would like this to be an aspiring church, a God-focused praying people. But without the cooperation of every person, it won't work. We just can't be. But what exactly, what kind of church are we aspiring to be? Now, I liked what the speaker on the Saturday morning session at the church weekend in January said. He said that we should seek God to be the kind of church that God wants us to be. Now, 
We can't be a copy of that man's church, no matter how successful it is. We can't be in another Abundant Life Bradford or NCLC Newcastle, no matter how good they are. We want to be the best Chowdean that we can be without losing our Chowdeaniness. On the paper we were given last week, we were said to be aspiring was to have a change the world mentality. And I thought, that's a really big thing, isn't it? A change the world mentality. And there's no doubt whatsoever that the world needs changing. I just read these few statistics recently. More than a million children are prostituted into the sex trade every year. That's more than a million. There are 143 million orphans in the world today. 35 million people have HIV and 27 million are currently slaves and we could go on. It seems overwhelming and outside of God, there is no hope. I expect that most of us have lost confidence in politicians and world leaders to do much to make any significant change, but God can. And I was reminded of that story of the man who was walking along a beach and hundreds and thousands of starfish had been washed up by the tide and were dying on the beach and a small boy was picking them up and carrying one or two at a time and putting them back in the sea and the man said to him son you're wasting your time there you know there's hundreds of them you're never going to get them all back into the sea honestly pet you're wasting your time but the little boy picked up one carried it back put it in the sea and said it made a difference to that one. And if one person's life and eternal destiny can be changed just one at a time. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at our other core values, welcoming and nurturing, serving, building, persevering and reaching. And we aspire to be the best we can be in every area. But can we just sit back and aspire and dream, and hope, and desire? Or will it require effort? There's an ancient saying, the lazy wolf gets no lamb. So why are we aspiring to be the best we can be at all these core values? Because we are the body of Christ on the earth, and because he is preparing the church to be his bride. It's a huge responsibility and an enormous privilege. So how are we going to achieve these goals that we aspire to? Years ago, I heard a speaker who mentioned his life at this. I think Philip Ledoux a few weeks ago had also mentioned his mission statement for life. It's a verse from the Bible that you carry through life and you aspire to. So I decided years ago that I would choose one. And it's from Philippians chapter 3. And that's the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And he said, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, if we just put that verse into its context, the Apostle Paul was writing to encourage the believers in Philippi. And he was speaking of all the things that he had every right to be proud of in his life. His religious heritage, his education, his right standing in the community. He was a prominent figure. But he goes on to say, and I'm going to read from verse 7 to 14. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss 
compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. But one thing I do, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press on. I press on to know more of the Lord Jesus. In the Amplified Version of the Bible, and that's just a version of the Bible that gives you more choice of words, it says, not that I have now attained or am already made perfect, but I press on to lay hold of, to grasp and make my own, that for which Christ Jesus the Messiah has laid hold of me and made me his own. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet, but one thing I do, it is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ is calling us upward. It is my one aspiration to know more of Jesus. There was a day in 1983 when I knelt down by my bedside and surrendered the control of my life to the Lord Jesus, and he took hold of me. But I still aspire to know him more, and there's nothing wrong with a holy dissatisfaction. The Apostle Paul was satisfied with Christ, but he was not satisfied with his own Christian life, and that is the first essential to progress. And perhaps you're here today, and you believe in God, and you say your prayers, and you try to live a good life, try to be kind to others, might even read the Bible. But I won't tell you today that there is much more to the Christian life than that, more to know and more of God to experience. Some Christians compare themselves to others and consider that they're not doing too badly. But Paul had no illusions about himself. He had to keep pressing on, aspiring to know more of Christ. He could say, this one thing I do, and no athlete succeeds in every sport. They succeed by specializing. And the Bible tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to us. To achieve our church goals, we need to make knowing God our number one priority. Paul then goes on to say, forgetting what is behind and straining to what is ahead. We can't spend life looking in the rear view mirror. Now, it's important to remember, and I think some people need to hear this, it's important to remember that in Bible terminology, to forget does not mean to fail to remember. We might wish to forget bad memories. We might wish to forget past failures and mistakes, but it's not possible. To forget in the Bible means 
to no longer be influenced by or affected by. Now, I think that that is liberating. We cannot always forget, but with God, we can refuse to allow the past to affect our future. It means we can break the power of the past by surrendering it to God and by focusing on what lies ahead. We cannot change the past, but we can learn from it. The writer Adrian Plass said that all of those past mistakes are like manure that God can use to grow something good in your life. Now, you can't run the race by always looking back over your shoulder or else you'll trip and fall. And of course, it would be just as bad to be always thinking about the successes of the past and hankering to go back there. Now, a little while ago, I was having a small pity party. It wasn't a big do, but just a small one, you know, not liking some changes. But I was tidying a bookshelf when a piece of paper fluttered down. Now, I do believe that God, who is our loving Father, does speak to us, and he does know our thoughts. And the paper read, when you're going through transition, don't get bitter. Don't get down and think that it's the end. Don't start thinking you're a failure. Have the attitude. God, I let this go, knowing that it was only temporary provision, and what you have for my future will be greater than what I'm letting go of. If you will accept the change and stay in faith, God will open new doors. He will bring new opportunities, new friendships, and take you to another level of his glory. Accept the changes, stay in faith, and God will open new doors. I press on. The verb carries the idea of intense endeavor and not placid acceptance of the status quo. And I know that there are times, there are days when we feel like giving up and just throwing in the towel. Not necessarily with God, but just with, sometimes with work, with church. And to be honest, in the difficult times in my life, those have been the times when I've drawn closer to God. But it's the times when I've been a bit upset or disappointed with other people that I felt most like giving up. But the Lord has always encouraged me to keep going. And it's Christ we're serving. And he has never given up. You know, we just sang there this morning, no turning back, no turning back. So we have these aspirations for our church. However, there are two extremes to avoid here. One is to think that we must do it all ourselves. And the second is to think that God must do it all. God works in us so that he can work through us. Paul says, I press on to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Toward what ultimate goal are we aspiring? Well, it's the reward of heaven. The writer is not suggesting that we can get to heaven by our own efforts, not at all. Each one of us must put our trust in the Lord Jesus to save us, to accept God's offer of eternal life with him through Jesus Christ. And to do that, we simply come to God, admit that we've done wrong things, that we've made mistakes, and accept that when Jesus died on the cross, he took the punishment that we deserved so that we could be brought back into a loving relationship with the God who loves us passionately. I took my granddaughter, Etta, 
to see Wicked at Sunderland Empire recently, and it's a stage musical about the witches from The Wizard of Oz. And in this musical, the two witches sing to each other, and they sing, I don't know if I have been changed for the better, but since I met you, I have been changed for good. But I can say that from the day that I met the Lord Jesus Christ, I have been changed for the better, although it's a slow process, changed for the better and for good. So to sum up, we are aspiring to a change the world mentality, a church that is welcoming, nurturing, serving, building, persevering and reaching out into the community. In my opinion, we are already a good church, but we aspire to be better and to be great. Will it require our cooperation? Yes, it will. Because like my great-grandparents, they couldn't fulfill their aspirations because they didn't have the cooperation of my grandfather. So the leaders of the church require our cooperation. Will it require effort and dedication and commitment? My aspiration to have a well-trained dog required work and discipline. But really, reading books about dogs and watching YouTube clips of Caesar Milan would have been pointless if I hadn't first bought a dog. So aspiring to live the Christian life without God, coming along to church and listening to sermons would be equally foolish. Jesus said there would be those who would stand before him at the end of time and he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. And they will reply, but we went to church and, and we tried to live a good life, it will be too late. So if you're not sure that you have accepted Jesus as your saviour and Lord, if you're not sure that God is at the centre of your life and that you do have a relationship with him, then I would urge you today to speak to one of the leaders before you leave. Now, I'm going to just ask the band if they would come back up on the stage now. And I just want to say to those of us who do know and love the Lord Jesus, remember there's no turning back, and for those of us who aspire to belong to the best church possible, then this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The message is to keep pressing on. This is the end of this message. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about our church, please visit www.chowdean.org.uk and please take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes.